Good morning. It's good to see everyone here today, everybody in Knoxville. It's good to have you guys connecting. If you've got a Bible, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. This coming Wednesday is our night of worship. Uh, It's going to be an incredible, incredible night as we uh, gather to not only sing, but pray together. How many of you guys are planning on coming? Let me see hands in the room. Okay. All right. It's going to be a good day. uh, And I'm excited about everybody in Knoxville coming as well. Uh, We're in a series called Together. And we're talking big picture, how, the big picture of, of God's church, this church, what our vision is and how we accomplish that vision. And we started week one uh, really identifying the why. We make disciples to develop or we develop uh, mature disciples of Christ in relational environments. And that's, that's the, the big picture vision. And so then we moved into how do we do that? And what's that strategy look like? And so last week we talked about step one, which is share the love of God. Today, we want to talk about the next piece, which is connect to the people of God. Uh, Next week, we'll close the series with uh, equip for the mission of God and uh, all leading us to this vision offering. I want to remind you that our theme this year is together. And so together we bless and together we expand. And so what we are hoping to do uh, as a church is that we would give towards this vision offering a one-time gift and an ongoing commitment to give over and above what we normally give this year. Uh, but if we do that together, then we believe we'll be able to uh, reach that first goal. And we're just going to give that money away. We're going to bless those organizations, both local organizations doing a good job and globally. Uh, so we're, we're just going to give that away. And then the second piece of this is expanding here in Knoxville. We we, I, I really believe that in order for God to open up this door for us to uh, purchase land and to continue to, to create ministries and parking lots and counseling centers and those kinds of things, uh, God wants to see our faithfulness in giving. And so we're going to give, we're going to save, and I believe God will then open up that door. And so uh, we're, we're pursuing that. And then for our Knoxville location, they need to to take the second phase of renovations. And so uh, each one of these goals building on one another. And if we uh, are are fueling that vision, we think we can get this uh, accomplished uh, this year. And so uh, total goal being $1.6 million just over that. And so uh, hopefully you are praying about that. You can give it any time, but next Sunday is kind of like the big give, kind of like the final thing. And, And so in front of you at both locations, you should have a card Feel free to take that card, scan the QR code, go to the website, uh, ask you guys to uh, consider filling this out, consider uh, making a commitment as a church together. We're really excited about how God is going to do this. Um, I had a friend tell me a story a couple weeks ago. Um, he said his wife, who he, he and, and his wife are Christians, believers, and, and uh, she was getting her hair, hair done uh, or hair did, however you say that. She was getting her hair cut and, and, and the whole deal, and uh, the, the, the lady that was, um, you know, doing the hair, she was really frustrated about a school that was, had a teacher that was sharing some, what she thought was inappropriate, LGBTQ, like, teaching uh, elementary kids issues about, related to that. And she was just all up in a tizzy, you know, she was just like, I just can't believe they do that, and I'm just, you know, really against that. And, and so the Christian sitting in the seat, and, and the person doing the hair wasn't a Christian, Um, So my friend's wife said, why? Why does that bother you? And the hairdresser was like, well, they shouldn't be doing that. And and it's just not right. And she says, well, why is it not right? Why is that, you know, a problem for you? And she said, well, it's just, you know, it just makes me mad. It's just not supposed to be like that. And 
And, and my point in telling this is that if you don't follow Jesus and you don't understand what the Word of God teaches or you don't care about that, then, then really when it comes to issues like that, it's just your opinion. And everybody's entitled to their opinion, but as a follower of Jesus, we know that our opinions are flawed. And so we know we need more than that. Romans chapter one says that God has given every one of us a conscience. We know that there is a right and a wrong. That's why we all have opinions. We, have a, we think this is the right way, this is the wrong way, and we have differences. And, and so that conscience is on our heart. And yet because of our sin nature, we don't know exactly what is right and wrong because of our, 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 our brokenness and, and, and because of our sin. And, you know, we can't trust our feelings. We can't trust our knowledge because we don't know everything and we, we don't have it all figured out. And so the beauty is that's why God has given us the word of God. And so as Christians, we, we formulate, you know, our sexual ethic and we formulate these opinions from a biblical perspective, not just because we think it's wrong or right, but because we believe God teaches us this is right and this is wrong. And so the great thing about God is that he has given us his word. And the second piece of beginning to understand how to develop these opinions about various things in our culture is that God gives us his church. And it's through his church that we preach the word, we teach the word, and then we together are able to apply the word together and we talk about it and we, we wrestle with it. And, and as we do that, we can mature and we can grow. Now that takes time. It can't just happen, I'll be honest with you, it can't just be happen one hour a week on Sunday morning. It takes more to be able to grow and to be able to learn and to be able to apply these things. And so that's what I really want us to think through today, the value of connecting to God's church. Because I believe God wants you to experience more. He wants you to grow. Your soul is longing for that growth. And sometimes we just don't know how to get to that growth. But I'm telling you, between the word of God and connecting to God's people, serving together, we grow. Now, the problem is so often, you know, in our culture, we're seeing people leave the church. We're seeing people, you know, not go to church, right? In fact, I read one statistic this week that said about 40 million adults in America today used to go to church, but no longer do. And that's about 16% of the adult population in the U.S. 40 million people used to go to church, maybe as a kid or a student, or maybe they went as a young adult and just for whatever reasons have dropped out. I mean, that's a lot of people. How do we engage them and, and encourage and invite them to come back? In 2018, approximately 3,000 churches were started in the U.S., but that same year, 4,500 churches closed their doors, died. So people are leaving the church. Churches are, are, are dying. We're not planning enough churches to keep up with the demand and increase in our population, so we obviously have a problem. Tyler Vanderwill, Harvard professor, did research on people that attended church versus people that didn't attend church. And you can look this up, but the research is incredible. He, he found that people that actually attend church regularly has a direct relation to how long people live. He said 20 to 30% uh, death rate was, was changed. And so, hey, that's one good thing, right? Come to church regularly, live longer. He also found that people that regularly attend are more optimistic, have lower rates of depression, 
are less likely to divorce, more likely to have higher levels of happiness and a sense of purpose. Vanderwill states, and I quote, something about the communal religious experience and participation that matters. Something powerful takes place at church and enhances health. Now that should resonate with us and kind of encourage us that there are multiple layers of benefits when it comes to connecting to God's people and connecting in a local church. See, the reality is church is not a home for saints. It's really a hospital for sinners. That we are broken, we are all sinful and we come into this place and we need to be healed and we need to turn from sin and we need a touch from the Holy Spirit to encourage us and to change us and to inspire us to live for Him. And that's why I personally love coming to church because we hear the Word of God preach. We are applying that Word of God. We're having conversations with each other about the Word of God and problems in our culture and how do we solve those problems through the gifting of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we go through painful situations in our life and those painful situations allow people in our church to minister to us and they encourage us and they bless us. And, 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 and it's through that on the other side of that pain that we come out stronger and more confident in who we are in the Lord. And so sometimes that pain is there so that we would grow together as a church. And I believe that's what God wants you to experience. Are there problems in churches? Oh, 100%, yes, because it's filled with a bunch of sinful people. But the reality is through the grace of God, when we connect to God's church, He does incredible things in our life and as a result, incredible things in our community. So in Ephesians chapter four, verses one through seven, I wanna look at this next week. We'll look at the second part of Ephesians chapter four, but here's what Paul says. He says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord. Now, Paul was literally a prisoner. Like he was in prison because of his faith. He was teaching the gospel and they threw him in jail. And so metaphorically though, he prisoner of the gospel, but prisoner of the Lord means that he's put Christ first in his life. That's the priority. And so he says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father over all of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Let's unpack this a little bit. He tells us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. To walk in a manner worthy of our calling. That just simply means that the conduct of our life should be in, in such a way that we honor the gospel, that we honor Jesus. We honor the call that he's given on our life. Veterans, you'll appreciate this. Marines especially, they live by this motto, Semper Fi, always faithful, right? That's, that's a similar type of draw, right? We, we get that. There's a higher calling in each one of our lives. We're not just living a good life because we feel like it. We're living a life that honors Jesus because there's a higher calling on our life. He says, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Now, what is that calling? Well, the first part of that calling would be our call to be saved. The Holy Spirit reaches out to us, calls us 
to turn from sin, put our faith in Jesus. And so that first calling is that God would save you, that God has saved you if you're a believer today. And so walk in a manner worthy of the reality that God saved you from hell. He saved you from your sin. He saved you from judgment. He freed you of your bondage. He broke the chains of all the the hangups and the guilt and the shame that was in your life. And he gave you a brand new life. He, he, He rebirthed you. Now you are a child of God. You're in the family of God. And he says, man, because you have been given this lavish gift, walk in a manner worthy of that gift. But, the also, but also that calling is, is not only just my, our call to salvation, but then it's our call as, as you might just say, your journey as a disciple, your growth as a disciple. That's part of your calling as well. So the calling to be saved and the calling to grow and to do the things that God is calling you to do specifically in the way that he has gifted you and the place that you work and the leadership that he's given to you, maybe as a parent or as a you know, business owner, or your leader, a leader in your organization or whatever it is that you're doing, that's, that's where God has placed you to live your life. And so that calling to serve him in that way, God calls us to follow Jesus. We submit to him. This call is really summarized in verses four through six. The, the, the calling is summarized with all of these ones. He says one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That is all encompassing of this call. This one body means that, that we as the church are the body of Christ. You've heard this. We're the body of Christ. That means that we are the hands and feet in the community of Christ, serving needs, loving our neighbor, honoring God. Now you've probably heard people say, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, I mean, there's truth to that. I mean, you don't, you're not saved by your church attendance. You're saved by faith alone in Christ alone. But if I were to cut off my hand today, like literally kind of gruesome thinking about this, but if I cut off my hand and it just kind of drops on the stage here, what's going to happen to my hand? It's going to immediately start decomposing. <laughs> it's dead. Any body part cut off from the body dies. So sure, you, you are saved by faith. You're not saved by church attendance. But if you are cut off from the body of Christ, then you're spiritually not growing. And there's not much evidence there. And, and by the way, it's hard to do about 90% of the New Testament. It's hard to be faithful to 90% of the Bible if you're not connected to a local church because almost everything, and we'll see it today, relates to how we function in God's church. And so if we're not connected to God's people, His church, then we're missing a big part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He says, there's one body, there's one spirit. So the spirit of God is is the one who creates this unity uh, through each of us, all different types of people and backgrounds and different opinions about all kinds of various things. And he's not calling us to be uniformed. And in other words, we don't all have to look the same and and we don't believe exactly the same. There's a, a lot of grace in what we believe. There's what we call essentials, like you have to get these things and, and that comes straight from the Bible. But there's a lot of things we have questions about that the Bible doesn't specifically say it has to be like this. And so there's grace around those things. And so, man, there's, there's challenges when you take hundreds of people with different backgrounds and opinions and, and raised in different states and we bring them into one room. And we say, okay, we got to unite together for the purpose of making disciples. It's like, well, how do you do that? One spirit. The Spirit does that. He unifies us. 
He says one Lord, one hope. Our hope is in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. There's one Lord. His name is Jesus. We submit to him. He is our supreme authority. There's one faith. There's not multiple faiths that lead to heaven. God is a a logical being. He's not going to say in one part of the world, this is how you go to heaven, and then go to the other side of the world and say, well, you're going to go to heaven differently, and it's going to look different for you. No, there's, there's one faith. And, and, and there's one baptism. This baptism is what takes place after we put our faith in Jesus. And so we come to faith in Jesus and then we represent that decision by being baptized. We go under the water, representing the old Trent dying, coming up out of the water. The new Trent has been reborn. And that's why the Bible doesn't talk about baptizing babies or infants. And it always talks about baptism coming after our commitment to know Jesus. And so some of you may need to get baptized. There's one baptism. There's one God and Father, and so it's through Jesus that God adopts us into the family of God. We are now his children. So God's call is all wrapped up into all of these uh, statements, right? This is part of our salvation. It's where we gather and create unity. And so if you're taking notes, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling means at least three things today that I want to point out. And the first one is connecting to God's people is expected by God. Now, when you read the New Testament, you're not going to find a verse that says, and thou shalt join and become a member of a church. Like, it doesn't say that. But everything that the New Testament teaches us is all wrapped up in the relationship, in in its process, and we live out in and through the relationships that we call the church. The church is not for walls. The church is, is, is the people, are the people, right? And so God is expecting us to connect to a local church. Now, once a person believes in Jesus, we're saved. We're part of the global church, capital C church. So we're all in a sense, you know, a part of God's church universally. But then we're, we're also, we're recognizing here that Paul is writing to a church in the city of Ephesus. We call it Ephesians, but he's writing to a group of people who live in Ephesus and he's calling them, here's how you relate, how you act in your church. Why? Because we need a local church to serve in. And we, cannot, we cannot do all the things that we just read if we're not connected into a local church. If you're going to create and keep unity in God's church, it means that you have to actually be a part of a church. So we see this. We've got to remember that Paul's writing to a specific church. Now, there are a lot of things that keep us out of church There are a lot of things that keep us out of connecting to God's people. Let me mention a few. Maybe this is you. The first thing I would say is one reason is we're just simply too busy. We live in a culture that teaches us to be busy. We live in a culture that is proud of being busy. It's like, you know, the WWF is, you know, big title belt. I'm busy. Look at my belt. I'm busy too, right? We we just act like that's like a, a, a badge of honor that we're so busy and And it's true, and I am as well. And we keep our kids busy in sports and schools, and we're traveling here, and we're going here, and we got work here. Every second is filled up. Now, not a problem until it interferes with our ability to connect in God's church. If we're always traveling, we can't be in a local church, and our kids aren't consistently being fed the Word of God by godly leaders. And we as adults, as parents, are not teaching our kids 
the, 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 the priority of the gospel by coming on a regular basis, then we are missing a huge opportunity to teach and to train our kids in the way of the Lord. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you, when you see that, there's a lot of renewing of our mind that we have to do in this world because of our sin. But when it relates to being busy, if the world is saying, be busy, be busy, and this is how you're supposed to raise your kids and do your thing, if the world is doing that, whatever the world's doing, as Christians, we need to pause and take a step back and say, is this one of those areas that I need to renew my mind? Am I falling into the pattern of the world? Another reason why we might not connect in God's church is, is we just try to solve problems in isolation. We live in a Google it culture. We live in a just YouTube it and figure it out, right? You don't know how to do something, you YouTube it and you see a video. But it's very dangerous to do that when it comes to spiritual maturity and spiritual growth because you never know who's gonna pop up on your screen or what he or she's gonna be teaching. And is it true and is it real? And they don't know you and they don't know your background. And they don't know how it specifically applies to you and how you're actually gonna be able to overcome this because of your unique situation. So it's, it's, it's one of these things where when we face problems relationally in our marriage as parents and all these different spiritual issues that come up in our life, we need somebody that can guide us. We need someone else that can help us make decisions. In fact, if I look back at my life, some of the bigger decisions that I've made most of those big decisions that I say, those are the biggies that were just the dumbest things that I've ever done, usually happen from a decision that I made on my own. I didn't ask the mentors in my life. I didn't run it by you know, them or talk through with them. And as a result, I just made a stupid mistake. And maybe that's true for you as well. You don't have to make decisions in isolation, men you want to make them. I get it. You, you, you want to do everything on your own and show your wife and your kids that you don't need anybody. But the reality is your life can flourish, your spiritual life, your mental health, everything can flourish if you do what God is calling you to do and connect with other godly men here. Same is true for ladies. Sometimes we just stay at superficial levels. That also keeps us out of church because we just want superficial levels of relationships. How's the weather? How's sports? Good. See ya. We don't want to get into the, the, the hard issues. We don't want to talk about some of the real problems in our life with other people because that just makes all of us a little uncomfortable to kind of share that. But God is calling us into these relationships. And the reason why he would call us into these relationships, because when we, when we talk about these things and we get them into the light, godly leaders and disciple makers can help us process them and we can grow in our faith. And so the solution, I think, is to prioritize significant relationships in your life and join a church, be a part of a church, be a part of even a small group. Now, veterans, you'll, you'll appreciate this. Anytime you, know, you go to a war, you, you've got the air war, you've got the ground war. Even right now, Israel's got an air war, ground war going on. Um, what about our spiritual warfare? What about our battle against the enemy in our life? We're in a spiritual battle. What, what type of warfare are you engaged in? And I, and I would say that there's a ground war and there's an air war that you need to think about. Now, the air war that I would encourage you with is this opportunity right here. Sunday morning, our Sunday morning worship is our air war opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to draw people in to hear the preaching of the word of God. We contextualize the music. We 
You know, we create environments and space that is inviting for the community to come and to be a part of. During this gathering, we preach the word of God and people respond by singing and making decisions and praising God and serving him. And the result from the preaching of the word of God is conviction. If you've ever left a Sunday morning and were like, man, Trent was stepping on my toes today. Well, that's called conviction. It wasn't Trent, it was the Holy Spirit convicting us into the ways that God is calling us. And so we, we recognize this is great. This is needed, the air war. But honestly, it's not enough. You won't get to the deeper uh, spiritual experience that you are hoping, and, hoping for and that your soul is actually longing for until you decide to create and be a part of significant relationships by connecting to people here in our church. And so that is the ground war. Air war, Sunday morning worship. Ground war is our small group ministry. It's our mentoring ministry. It's when you're in relationships with people that know you, and right? And so we hear the word of God preach. We're convicted about what we have heard, but then it's in a relationship with other people that we begin to ask questions and we unpack it more. Here's what the word says. Here, here's what, how I was convicted. How do I grow in this? How do I overcome this? And, and we talk about it and we pray about it together. And that's the ground war where God really begins to grow you. And again, we go through challenging things in our life, painful suffering situations. And so Sunday morning, challenged, encouraged by the word, go to our small group. It's hard for me to do this because of my suffering, my painful situation. Help me, right? And then we pour into each other and we care for each other. It's through small groups that care really takes place. And we experience that and we're able to provide that as well. And so the fruit of the spirits, love, joy, patience, kindness, gentleness, all of these things begin to get fleshed out and we have an opportunity to, to actually do those things in relationships that are around us. And so if all we do is experience Sunday morning, the air war, it's great, but you're missing an incredible opportunity to experience a deeper faith in a deeper, spiritual, rich, mature life. The reality is we need both the air war and the ground war. Um, people argue and say, well, we don't really need Sunday morning church. Let's just do house church and meet in homes. And, and people take that philosophy and they do that. But, but we, we lose the preaching of God's word, which brings conviction. And we also lose the gathering place for the community uh, where people want to come and seek the truth, and come and see what Jesus and church is all about. So we would lose that as well. You see, we need both. Both are valuable. What this means is that small groups, they're not just Bible studies. They're not just potluck meals. It's actually a place where people are in relationship and we share the responsibility to care for each other and shepherd each other, right? Small group is a huge vehicle for how we care for one another in God's church. It doesn't matter in a big church, well, you might think this is a, a big church, or if it's a smaller church, it doesn't matter the size. What really matters is how are we fleshing out the relationships? Because you really only have time for about, what, 12 to 15 real relationships in your life? Just Let's just be honest. Like, you barely have time for that. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't even have time for that. I barely have time for my spouse and my kids. But you, you have like 12 to 15 people in your life capacity to be friends with and actually to know on a deeper level, yeah, we've got lots of acquaintances, a lot of relationships that we can, have, you know, superficial relationships and have conversations, but I'm talking about really knowing you and really being in your life. 
That number is small for each of us just because that's the nature of time. So who are those people? Are you really being intentional about who those people are in your life? Some of you are resisting connecting to God's church. You're resisting it. I just wanna encourage you. It's not as scary as you think it is. Base camp is your first step. It's not as scary as you think it is. It's actually very informational. It's very awesome. We've got some great leaders and teachers that serve in that area that show you what the church is and how you can get involved and begin to discover your design and ministry. Um, it's, it's, it's really an important step. And, and I would say when you do that, then you begin to understand why being a part of a church is so important because it's, it's how we know who we can count on. It, it's how we hold each other accountable to the faith. It's huge for how we grow in our relationship with God. And so I would say, scripturally speaking, connecting to God's church is expected. But as we are thinking through walking in a manner worthy, here's the second point that I would make today. Connecting to God's people is vital for spiritual growth. It's vital, it's huge. Let's read this sentence, like be completely humble and gentle. How can I be gentle if I'm not in a relationship with you? If I'm just isolated and I'm not a part of a church, I can't be gentle. I can't practice that. Be patient. I can't be patient unless I'm faced with annoying people. That's why God puts annoying people into our life. So we can grow in our patience. Bearing with one another in love. Like, isn't that like a large percentage of what marriage is? Like bearing with one another in love? figuring out how to love unlovable parts about people. God wants us to grow in our holiness. And so that's why he puts us in relationships where we have to practice exactly what Jesus teaches us. This is, he's the genius. Jesus is the, the genius with relationships because he was perfectly humble, perfectly patient, bearing with one another. Think about how Jesus has been bearing with you over the course of your life. You know, I think about that. I've been such an idiot it's so often, but he's just, he's just been able to bear with me in love. You know, come on, Trent, why would you do that? Why'd you say that? You've known, you've learned. Think about your life. If, you know, think about how that conversation might have gone. But he's bearing with us in love. And then he says, make every effort to keep unity. So if we're gonna grow spiritually, we gotta be in relationships. You hear it all the time here that growth happens in relationships. And so he says, be humble. Now in our culture, our culture glorifies pride. Jesus says, be humble. I love how Tim Keller explains it. He says, gospel humility means thinking of myself less. Thinking of myself less. And so we say it's not about us. So we don't wanna make it about us. In our culture, self is king. Love me for who I am. I'm gonna be me. Jesus says, think about others. Be selfless, right? When you're a part of a church, you get an opportunity to practice humility and to think of others. We have to think about lost people in our community. We have to think about how they're gonna find parking spaces here and how they're gonna find empty seats and how they're gonna hear the gospel. And when they hear the gospel, how are we gonna get them connected and, and get them around other Christians? Right, we've got to think about that. We've got to think about the next generation. How do we train the next generation and, 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 and put them on a path of success and spiritual vitality? You know, how do we create 
a ministry on Sunday morning that pours into them? And how do we train parents to be able to lead them? This is all part of what we've got to think about. And this is, takes humility. We've got to think about how we're going to reach teenagers with the gospel and how we're going to draw them into community here at Foothills Church. If we're not humble, all we're going to think about is ourselves and what we like and the music we like and the color of paint that we like and the feel that we like. And it's like, it's not about us. What's going to be inviting to people? Let's think about that. Let's, 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 let's let that be the focus. Gentleness, he says. That doesn't mean weakness or being soft, by the way. Gentleness means that we're self-controlled. We're self-controlled in our response. He says, be patient. He, we, we read elsewhere that love is patient. Right? We know we've got to be more patient. We've got to endure those who do things differently that irritate us and bear with one another in love. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. And so we're loving the unlovable parts of those in our life. And that calls us into a deeper walk with Christ. Eager to maintain unity. You see, when we are doing all of this hard work of humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with one another in love, we are being eager to create unity in God's church. This is the outcome, unity. So often in our culture, it's just become easy to gossip and disparage people, which, you know, divides us. It gets us off track and off mission. I would challenge you, you don't need to like become Tony Robbins and be a super positive thinker. I would just challenge you to stop being so stinking critical. Stop being so neg negative about yourself and about others. Just cut it out. Just end it, right? Don't even worry about being Mr. Positive. Just worry and, and confess the negative parts of your spirit. And watch how God begins to like change your mentality and your attitude. And I think that creates and can create unity in the church. All of these virtues require me to be in a relationship with you and you with me. This is why it's important. This is how we grow spiritually. We need to grow spiritually, but we can only demonstrate this in and through the relationships that we're in. I love how Francis, Francis Schaeffer put it. He said, our relationships with each other in the church is the criterion the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Christian community is the final apologetic. Apologetics is our defense of the faith. How do we defend the faith that we believe is true? And so he's saying here that the way that we can really defend the faith that the gospel in Jesus Christ is true and real, and the only way that a man and a woman can find forgiveness in heaven as their home is by the way that we treat each other in his church. Because if we are demonstrating community, if we are demonstrating love and, and, and forgiveness and humility, the world's going to see that and go, I want some of that. Like, how do you guys do that? Why do you do it that way? Why is your marriage different than mine in that way? And how do all these people do so much good in the community together? See, that's what draws people in, right? How we treat one another matters. It's not just a matter of your personal relationship with someone. It really is a bigger issue than that. The world is in fact watching. So when someone is causing disunity, it's easy to see, okay, someone's operating in the flesh here because the unity or, or the spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, the fruits of the spirit lead us to unity. 
Finally, walking in a manner worthy. Not only do we need, we, we, we know we're expected to connect, but not only that, is it vital for spiritual, spiritual maturity? Finally, connecting to God's people multiplies ministry. Multiplies ministry in verse 7. And we'll talk more about this next week, but the idea here is presented. He says, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So each of us were given a gift differently as Christ has apportioned the gifts. We all have different gifts. And he's gonna go into an explanation of this. But my point in this is that when you understand the amount of grace God has given to you and the gifts that he has given to you, and you begin to use those gifts in and through God's church, ministry multiplies. More people experience the gospel. More people are encouraged. More people are loved. More people experience the power of of, of a transformation in our life that the Holy Spirit does, right? When we, when I use our specific gifts, ministry takes place. Uh, I'll close with this story. There's a a young woman named Hannah and I just moved into the area and she was looking for a church, needed, you know, felt like she said, I felt like I needed to connect to a church and visited several churches and never felt like she belonged. Well, then she found uh, Foothills Church in Knoxville, actually. And she immediately felt a connection there. Still by herself, single, sitting by herself, started to attend, started to come and, and uh, feeling this is the right place, but still not made friends quite yet. And one Sunday, gospel preached and encouraged people to give their life to Christ and to get baptized on that day, if you remember that, not too, too long ago. And, and on that day, Hannah responded and she got baptized. Pastor Trey got to baptize her that day. From there, she met some people as she was going through the process of getting baptized and someone invited her to be a part of their small group. So she immediately started to connect and be a part of their small group. And now all of a sudden, someone who doesn't know anybody now knows a lot of people. And, and now there's community and now there's connection. And, and now I'm not sitting by myself at church. I've got all kinds of people around me now. And and, 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 and taking next steps to go to base camp and taking next steps of faith and of growth. And just look at that story. I hear that story and I'm like, man, did anybody know Hannah before I just introduced anybody? Nobody here, I'm sure maybe nobody in Knoxville knew her because she was new to the area. But two years ago when I stood on this stage and I said, hey, we need to give because God's leading us to start a church in Knoxville. And we sacrificially gave. We didn't know Hannah, but God knew her. God knew the intersection of how our path as a church and her path in her life was gonna intersect. And if there's this story, there's a hundred other more just like Hannah. That as we do what God has called us to do as a church, what you are doing is so much bigger than just your little niche, your little ministry, or your little family. Like when you're faithful and when you do your part, just like a piece of the puzzle, God is able to do so much more than he ever would have if we were trying to do this on our own. But when we come together, Hannah's life is changed. Your life has changed. Your children's life 
are changed. Your grandchildren's life are changed. People in the community that we don't even know are changed. What we are doing now is, is, is laying a foundation because we're not even close to what I think God wants to do in our life and through this church. We're laying a foundation for future generations. And so when I say that's why we give, this is the tangible, tangible vision of when we give and when we do our part, lives are changed. Lives are changed. And I just wanna invite you into that space today, to invite you into the space to where you give of yourself and you see God do miracles. I believe he's going to. I believe that as we give this week and finally next Sunday, we're gonna see God do some incredible, incredible things. And I wanna ask that you would, you if you haven't decided what you're gonna to give, to decide this week. And uh, next week, let's come ready and prepared to do our part. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful to be a part of a church where the Spirit of God is moving and working. We do not take that for granted. And Lord, we just invite you to do even more. We invite you to grow us. We invite you, Lord, to, to work in our communities. God, we pray that you would show us how you would call us to give, how you would call us to be a part of your church here. Despite our hangups, despite our past, Lord, we know that you are calling us to a brighter future. Help each person in this room to begin to embrace that message and embrace that hope through Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray, amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like this video and leave a comment. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss an upload from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, you can go to our website, foothillschurch.com, or by clicking the link in the description below.